Well, hello. Uh, my name is JJ Gillette. Uh, anybody that doesn't know me, uh, my family uh, is back there in the corner. So, uh, but Laura and all of our kids. So uh, there are a lot of unfamiliar faces in here. So I'm excited about that. But um, I am a deacon here, um, and uh, but more than anything, I am a servant here. So I am very honored that I have this opportunity. I am not a preacher. Um, I am somebody that loves to serve uh, in any capacity that I can, and it just so happened that this is one of those capacities. So um, I am very excited about the book of Nehemiah. If you haven't had a chance to dive into the book of Nehemiah, um, it is literally my favorite book in the entire Bible. Um, and uh, there's a lot here. Um, those of you that don't know, uh, next week, I'm giving him a little plug, but uh, Rodney is on next week. Um, he is a minister, so you should have great expectations for him. So, um, <laughs> But uh, we, um, we had a little fun with uh, knowing that each of us were going back to back, and it's been um, enjoyable just to kind of talk about this. I told him I got the good side of Nehemiah, so, um, but uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with it as we begin to go through, but I uh, want to give you a little understanding of who I am, because if you read any of the notes as to um, what we're going to be touching on today, it probably looks a little weird, um, and no, this is not two and a half sermons, because there's seven points underneath there, this will be one today, um, but uh, what we're doing is, um, I... Uh, I actually was the Hawana missionary for the Middle Tennessee uh, area for about eight years. I had about 142 churches that I worked with in developing their children's ministry. Loved it. Um, there is no better job for me during that period of my life. Um, and, uh, but I felt the Lord calling me away from it. And I didn't know what that meant. But I told my wife that I was going to quit my job. And um, you know, she said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. So um, it's kind of weird, um, but I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was going to give me something. And it just so happened that one day uh, Rodney comes up to me and says, uh, JJ, I think you would be really good in funeral sales. <laughs> and I said, is that like I have a face for radio? What exactly is that? So um, I didn't know what that meant. But what I began to understand is that in that business, which I had never been a part of that business before, I started to understand that it was about listening to people. It was about talking and probably what is the worst time of their life and a loss and the ability to sit next to them. And be, by the way, it won't happen today, but to be emotionally stable. Because I promise you, I will not be emotionally stable today. Um, but to be emotionally stable and listen to what's going on in their life. With the ability to help them get to a position of to begin healing. Um, we have something that we do there called the acute loss period. Acute loss period is a seven step thing. And each one of those seven steps you can see in front of you. And I brought that into today because it is amazing how we take these ideas and we almost look at them as new ideas. But the reality is you can look at past and you can look at history and you can see how this literally is seen all throughout Nehemiah with these seven steps of this acute loss period. The beginning of healing. And so we're going to dive into that today and look at Nehemiah from a whole as to... Um, we're looking right now at a time um, where 
It's a very ugly time. If you're in Sunday school, which a lot of you are, which is so awesome, but there are great discussions and things that happen through that Sunday school class. And if you were here last week, you heard about Esther. You started to hear about some of the things that were happening with Mordecai and and, uh, how they were rising against the Jews. And there was so much that was going to happen. And the Lord stepped in and great things happened. And then we continue on to hear and we hear uh, some great things that are happening with with, uh, specifically Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. It's not a great thing. Um, Matter of fact, it's kind of a dangerous job, to be honest. Um, But it is actually a position that is an elevated position. It is a very good position. Um, But we want to kind of talk about... um, There's some of what I want to do is give an understanding of history. I believe in not only understanding the situation, but kind of getting an idea as to what led us into this time and this period. And one of the things that we see is we're beginning to give an understanding as to what this looks like in history. Right now, uh, the king that's in there is, uh, is Artaxerxes, who is the king uh, to Nehemiah. That's who he is the cupbearer for. And um, his father was Xerxes, which actually, uh, his, which depending on what you read, they'll tell you different things, but they say that his stepmom, obviously, was Esther. And so um, we got, kind of understand where we're at in history right now. But, um, so he actually had a very interesting beginning to his rule. Um, If you look at the beginning of his rule, Xerxes was actually killed. And uh, it was assumed that the killer of Xerxes, the king, was his son Darius. And so when Artaxerxes found this out, he actually killed his brother to take reign. But then, once he basically got into reign, he realized that as a gentleman by the name of I say gentleman, he wasn't very gentle, but uh, Artaban, okay, I believe that's how you say his name, but they found that he was the killer. The reason that they found that he was the killer of the king is because he actually had a plot to kill Artaxerxes next. Well, that information got to him, um, and he basically took him out and all his family, so that was taken care of going forward. Um, what's really funny, and I say funny, but you probably, uh, some people won't think so, but if you read commentary, it says, after that moment, he had a pretty peaceful reign. So, that gives you a little idea about our desserts going into this. So, um, so hard at the beginning, peaceful the rest of the way. So, um, so now we're going to dive into Nehemiah and the understanding of who Nehemiah is and um, what exactly we're looking at. Um, but if you'd open up your Bibles to Nehemiah 1, um, there you will see the first uh, part of what we're talking about. And that is um, the first steps in the beginning of healing is when you hear. Matter of fact, this goes with any type of loss whatsoever. Many people, probably everyone in here has experienced loss in some sort of way. And when you hear something, that's the first initial understanding of what's happening. Is it basically is going to provoke action from what's happening. And so you can see in Nehemiah 1, 2, and 3. And by the way, let me just preface this. We are going to be jumping around. We have seven chapters. There are six chapters that we're actually running through. So we're going to be jumping all around trying to get through. Um, so just uh, buckle in with me. I'll give you references to everything. I probably won't be reading every bit of scripture, but I want you to go in and take your time to be able to look. Don't take my word for anything. Go into God's word. Dig in yourself so that you can actually study and know exactly what it says. 
But it says, uh, one of my brothers, this is in two, one of my brothers and some men from Judah came and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the the captivity uh, and about Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. See, Nehemiah was hearing of this. Um, There may have been some information that was passed along uh, during that time where he was hearing some things, but this was somebody he trusted. This was brother coming with individuals, and they were talking about how the city was in ruins. The thing is, this isn't something new. Realistically, this was about 150 years that it was like this. And so... Uh, this began to burden his heart because the understanding was, and, and this, is, this is what's hard to, we, we have to understand history as we begin to go through this. Because when we look at history during this time, Nehemiah probably had never been there. Nehemiah was in a place where he was having a love and a passion for something that he didn't necessarily know a whole lot of things about. The amazing part is, is you look at how he becomes so devoted to what he's doing because he's hearing of this loss and it means so much to him. I'll just be honest with you. This is the understanding of how we should be with every single unbeliever there is. The ability to have this type of an emotional response to know that we will do anything to come to the understanding of letting them know who Jesus Christ is. And that's just one of those steps as we begin to go through. But here he's talking about the hearing. Um, never lived there. We move to the next stage, and, and this kind of gives you an understanding of the hearing aspect, moving to the sharing aspect. When you hear of a loss, the first thing you do is you surround yourself with the people that you know are going to be most helpful to you. The people that you know understand what you're going through. And so what he did immediately was he actually surrounded himself. He shared with two specific people. The first one that he began to share with is God himself. Um, You know, in Nehemiah, if you'll turn there to 5 through 11, and I'm not going to necessarily read all of that, but what I want you to understand is the passion with what uh, Nehemiah went to the Lord in. He didn't go to the Lord with a request of just what he needed and what he wanted. He went to the Lord with an understanding of basically falling on his face, asking for forgiveness for all of those that had been before him. He was asking for the ability for God to look upon him in favor, to be able to rise up and do something that was great, that he had no power to do. He did not have the ability. Matter of fact, if you look back about a hundred years, people were beginning to try and go build the temple, to rebuild the temple. And there was, uh, basically there was enemies that rised up. So there was people that were attempting this, but the failures that were happening over and over again. But in this situation, Nehemiah begins to share with God and he actually brings the recollection of Moses, the understanding of what exactly had been promised before. That if God's people chose not to follow him, that they were going to be scattered. They were going to be scattered over over all the earth with the understanding that they were going to be weaker if they're scattered that way. But he said, eventually, whenever we come to know you, you will bring us back together. And that understanding of what was happening was... Nehemiah wanted to begin that understanding of unity. He realized that he was going to have to be the one to bring people together. He was going to have to be the one that the Lord used. And, but it wasn't going to come of his strength. It was going to come because of the Lord. I'm sorry. Um, the second bit of sharing. Um, this is probably one of my favorite parts of this entire uh, message. But um, of this entire chapter. And that's when he shares with the king. 
uh, in Nehemiah 2, 1 through 5, um, you'll actually begin to see what happens. So um, I, love, I love the way, um, if, if you've been in Sunday school with me, you know this is what I do. I try to look at Scripture and almost put myself there. To understand what it was like. To evoke the same feelings and the same understandings of what happened. And I want you to look at something as we begin to go through. But as he went to the king, if you look in scripture, it kind of just goes boom to boom. And it looks like it was, uh, he basically began to fast and pray and had this great prayer to the Lord. And the next day he rose up and he went out and, and all of a sudden was ready to talk to the king. No, it was about a four month process. This is something that had been on his heart for almost four months as he began to go through. And this day, this day, he shows up with a sad face to work. A sad face. Okay? I challenge myself with this on a regular basis. How do you go to work every day? Do you go to work with a smile on your face? Do you go to work so that people see the, the happiness in you all the time? Or do you go to work one day with a sad, sad look on your face and somebody asks, what's wrong with you? See, the king looked at him. Now, the, here's the funny part. There's actually two parts to the king wondering if he was okay. Okay? Remember what his job was. He was a cupbearer. So the fact that he had a sad look on his face after he had just given the king the wine kind of got him a little bit nervous probably, okay? So he's looking at that wine thinking, why, why is your face down? You, you don't normally... He's like, you're not sick, but you're sad. Why is that? And um, the reason I love this so much is because it was four months, four months that he was just burdened, but he still came to work with a smile on his face. He still came to work doing what he was asked to do. And it was in God's timing. It was not Nehemiah's timing. It was what God had planned. And God this day, for whatever reason, Nehemiah had that frown on his face. And this is what I love because as you begin to look at this, the entire wall project was funded by a pagan king because of the way Nehemiah came to work one day. That's an amazing understanding. And that's a lot of responsibility. To know that a smile or a frown makes that big of a difference in a life, in a country, in a world. Because it makes a big difference the way that you serve today because of what he did then. So when we look at the understanding of how he went to the king and literally how he was able, and the awesome part was, and I truly believe the reason it wasn't right away is because in this situation, you see that Nehemiah was ready. One of the things that I learned is I had a friend that was in the military and he told me, you don't go to your superiors and ask for something without having the solution ready. Because if that's the case, they're going to throw it back to you as quick as you brought it to them. In this situation, he knew he had to be prepared. He knew that he had to be ready for exactly when he had that moment and the king asked him, what's wrong? He had to be ready to not only tell him what was wrong, but whenever he asked him, what can I do? He had to be able to give him answer. Because this wasn't something like your mom and dad where you just get to go and talk to him one day and come back the next day. You never know how many times. And Esther was a perfect example of that. You don't know when you're going to have the opportunity to come in the presence of the king and talk. He had the opportunity to stand in the presence of the king and not only tell him why he was sad, but give him the understanding of what that request held. 
He was ready. He knew exactly what he needed. He knew, knew the letters. He knew every part of what he was doing. He was a prepared leader. He was ready to lead a people because God prepared him for that moment. So that's the hearing and the sharing. Um, we move next to the seeing. So Nehemiah 2.11 is where we see the seeing. And I went ahead and I'll just go ahead and read that. And it says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night and a few men with me. I did not tell anyone what God was putting into my mind to do for, the, for Jerusalem. And then what you're going to see is he begins to go and prepare. He begins to walk the ground. He begins to understand exactly what the task is ahead of them. You know, it's so funny sometimes that we want God to help us, and we talked about this in Sunday school, but we think that God's in total control, and He is, without a shadow of a doubt. There's no question. But God does not want you to just sit down and do nothing. God wants you to get up and do something. God wants you to prepare your horse for the day of the battle because the victory belongs to Him that we see in Proverbs. The understanding is he's looking for someone who takes the initiative to, as we talk about hearing and sharing and seeing, his seeing is getting an understanding that everything is going to be okay if we can just do these things. The beginning of healing is starting to happen because there's a plan that's put in place. In Nehemiah 2.11. The next one is we move on to gathering. One of the most important aspects of what I do in my job is telling people the importance of having a gathering. The importance of bringing people together. And my job, that is all because whenever that gathering happens, people begin the stage of healing because they're talking. They're telling stories. They're actually talking about what the past looked like to almost have enough energy and strength to go forward with the future. And if you look at what's happening here, he brings these people together in Nehemiah 2, 17 through 20. And this is kind of like almost like a battle cry to a certain degree to say, hey, here's what the problem is. And the awesome part is he doesn't necessarily have to be the one that shouts, it's time to go. What do the people say that he's talking to there at the end of 20? Let us go build. They were ready. It wasn't a matter of he had to be every part of it. It was a matter that he laid the foundation that was literally going to be the energy and the excitement and the motivation for the entire people to get up and go. Why? Because now they have ownership. They have direction. And so you see that there through that gathering. He brings those people together with the ability of pushing them forward and what it is that they're about to do. He gives them that sight. Then it leads us to connecting. This is probably, um, apart from that little situation that happens uh, between Nehemiah and the king, this is, this is one of my favorite parts. But if you look at Nehemiah 3, Nehemiah 3 is a, is a, a large chapter with a bunch of things that happen regularly in there. You start hearing about these gates. You start hearing about who was responsible. You hear names. You hear gates. You hear um, walls. You hear all these different parts. And if you don't have it, uh, my Bible has a picture of exactly what these gates look like. Um, I would encourage you, get in and look at it. Because it's awesome as you begin to go through and see exactly what this was all about. But so, Nehemiah did all this planning as to what his expectation was. His expectation was not just on what needed to be done, but who was to do it. This is where the connecting happens. 
he actually went in with the idea of understanding not only what this city looked like, but where people were located, where their ancestors were located, and what their responsibilities were, and why would it be important for the high priest to be at the sheep gate. Well, the importance of a high priest being at the sheep gate is because whenever the sheep are brought in, those sheep are used for sacrifice. And the importance of making sure that that gate is done exactly the way that it was supposed to be done and the way to their liking was going to be important to understand that. And so that sheep gate was not just a way of entrance. That sheep gate had full purpose for what those high priests needed. And why was it so important for him to show, for Nehemiah to show, that those high priests needed to be there? Because he showed the people how important worship was. He showed the people the importance of making sure that every aspect of what we do is not just bringing walls of a city up, but it's actually bringing excitement, motivation, and encouragement back to people. It may have been a physical understanding, but it was also a spiritual rebuilding that was happening. Each one of these people had the ability to connect to what was happening. So much so that you even look at the, uh, the fish gate. Why was it so important for the people that were in charge of the fish gate? As you begin to read there in Nehemiah 3, 3 through 5. Why is it so important that those people have the responsibility of the fish gate? The fish gate was one of the main entrances to the city. So all of the merchants were basically going to set up all their tents right there in that main gate so that when people came through, they had to sell their product, they had to do different things. Well, you can guarantee that they're going to want that gate to be the best it possibly can be because that's where they are going to spend their time. The understanding that happened all around this city was that Nehemiah was putting people in place not to just do a job, but to literally put their heart and passion into what it is that they were called to do. They all had a responsibility. And so that connecting begins to happen. Nehemiah was thoughtful. He was intentional. And he gave purpose in each thing that he was doing. So as we begin to see that and we start to look at all those different pieces. So now we've gone through hearing. We've gone through sharing, seeing, gathering, and connecting. We also look at the understanding of reflecting. Whenever we talk about this in reflecting, there's basically three parts to this that happens. The reflecting that happens when someone loses someone close to them is that they begin to think about that general understanding of the family. How is the family as a whole? But also, how does it affect that family directly? And then the last question is, how does that affect me? Those three pieces are natural tendencies that happen in any loss that's out there. Trust me, I promise you, I see it every day in my job. Where people begin to understand that this loss that happens, it somehow is directly connected to them. And so the reflecting that happens is going to happen with each one of them. And this actually happened in two ways. One, it happened, the reflection that happened was thinking back to their ancestors. They were thinking back to that original time. Thinking back to the fact that, you know what, my, maybe my grandfather had, was in the same area. Maybe one of my family members literally was right here in this area and they saw purpose behind what they were doing. They needed to be able to build these walls to protect the city and they began to see those pieces. But not only was he choosing to look back and trying to give people uh, purpose behind what they're doing, he also began to take tackle even something bigger. If you look at Nehemiah 5, and I'm probably saying it wrong, but the ursary 
um, was abolished. What is the ursery? Well, if I'm saying it right, I'll tell you exactly what it is. But that in and of itself was basically all of the head officials were basically taking land and taking things from the, the people. They were actually putting themselves in authority in a place and taking away even their children. Basically having them sell them their children into slavery to take care of some of these things because they weren't taking care of their people well. See, the practices that they were learning are practices that they were taught over the years now. So you're looking at enslavement of where they've been for how many years. And, but the awesome part is, whenever Nehemiah was placed into this position, he is basically the governor over Judah with the ability to do many different things. And one of the things is he basically comes in and takes this head on. He looks at them and basically says, this is wrong. And what are we going to do about it? That ursery then is abolished. So the reflecting of what's happening in this situation was not only looking at how it affected us in the past, but because of what we're doing and coming together as a people, that reflection then, it wasn't just about a task. It was about changing lives. It was more than just a project. This literally was a life-changing project that they were looking at. And so that's where that reflection comes. And then finally, the last part of our seven steps there is the celebration. You know, it's funny, in Sunday school, somebody said, I think it was, um, <clears throat> I think it was Brad that said, you know, when they were done this wall, they weren't going to celebrate. And that's right. There was no fireworks. There was no, woohoo, we're done type of thing. Matter of fact, what did they choose to do? Matter of fact, what Nehemiah did is he went and got that... Um, the census, and began to read those original families that were a part of what was happening. He began to give them the understanding of the importance of what we were doing. The importance of once these walls were raised, and amazingly, okay, 52 days this wall project was done. In 52 days. I actually wrote this down because I never knew it, and... I wanted to, uh, to, to pass it on to you guys, but the wall was actually completed on September 16th of 445 B.C. So it's 2,465 years ago, in case you were wondering. So September 16th, on that day, they actually decided to dive in and understand exactly what the purpose was for what we were doing. And... Um, just to steal a little bit of his thunder, um, in uh, verse 12, which I'll hear, I'm sure you'll hear so much about next week, but in chapter 12, 27 through 30, we actually hear about the dedication of that wall. We hear about what they did. They began to dedicate the importance of what they were doing. Why is celebrating so important? Celebration in and of itself allows us to reflect on things that happened, on things that have, are occurring and the celebration in of itself in that was to give them the understanding that they literally were beginning those steps to healing in a people. 150 years until those walls had ever seen any type of healing. It was coming. It was happening. It was working through those people in that moment. You see, we have, uh, we have a lot of things um, that we do. Um, it's not necessarily building a wall like this, although in my house we've built a couple walls in the last couple months. Um, but there are things that God has literally called us to do. There are responsibilities that we have. 
I talked about connecting. The importance of connecting is understanding that it is not just for us to sit back, like I said. The importance is to be able to get up and be a part of what's happening, where God is working. And it's an awesome thing to watch because when you do have the ability to see growth and whatever it may be. By the way, growth doesn't just come in numbers. Growth comes in depth also. Watching a child that has heard a Sunday school class or listened to their parents for 10 years to literally watch as a group is literally being baptized because they have watched not just home, but when they come here. You all have the ability to literally do incredible things through just how you live your life, your testimony. You know, I used to look at the understanding of, of the king and say, that king did everything that he wanted to based on his relationship with Nehemiah alone. But I don't know that. Believe it or not, and I don't know what type of influence she may have had, but Esther was a stepmom. What was her testimony? Those stories were shared, I guarantee. About Mordecai saving the king. The understanding of all of these things were people that had direct responsibility in this. That it wasn't through Nehemiah alone that God was working in incredible ways, not only now, but in the past. And he was literally laying out a future ahead of them. Matter of fact, the people are getting ready to go through 400 days of silence, or 400 years of silence, to where they're not going to hear from the Lord. They needed to see a miracle. The miracle happened in 52 days. And matter of fact, the reason why I love Nehemiah so much is he basically led a volunteer project and there is nothing negative said about him. That's a big deal. <laughs> if you've ever been in ministry, you fully understand that. The mindset of what happened is this man was being used by God in a mighty way. But it wasn't just something he did on a whim. He literally made sure that every step was calculated. And he literally built himself into a position where he was constantly praying. You know, we can look at chapter 4 and we can look at chapter 6. Chapter 4 in and of itself basically starts talking about the, um, the mocking that began to happen from all these outside nations. Chapter 6 begins to give an understanding of how these countries, these outside areas were trying to, to take Nehemiah out knowing they couldn't stop the progress. Why? Because they literally sat with a tool in their hand and a spear in their hand. That's how they worked. Because they were working together. See, the sacrifice of these people was not just time, and it wasn't just that they were going to come home and be tired every night. It was that they were giving their life for this project. They knew without a shadow of a doubt that this could mean that I am going to die doing exactly what, I've, what I'm doing right now. But it didn't matter to them. Because what had been prepared ahead of time was that they were beginning to build faith in what was happening. Whenever those walls reached the top of where they were supposed to be, they were super excited because they were beginning to see an understanding of what they could be. Because the walls were basically being built in their lives again. Not to keep them away from people because more than anything we need to share the walls that are built in us are to keep those evil things out. The ability to tell us exactly and to find a way to be able to work together to go against whatever it is in front of us that goes against God in and of itself. 
This world literally gives us plenty of things and examples to look forward to in the next uh, five to ten years as we begin to go, where we're going to see a lot of things that go against us as Christians. But the reality is it's going to take unity to accomplish what needs to be done. It's sad to me to know that missionaries come off the field because of other missionaries. Because we can't find a way to get along as Christians. But the reality is, we're all in it for the same thing. Why in the world would we ever want to come between what's happening with God strictly because of how we feel? It's not about that. It's not about how you feel. It's about what you're called to do. And it's a great thing whenever you're doing exactly what God's called you to do. And I would encourage you as you begin to go through that this is not about, um, as you go through and the understanding of celebration, it's awesome. God provided everything for Nehemiah. Guess what? God provided Jesus Christ for each one of us. For those around us. He provided Jesus Christ to come to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. Not the end of the story, but to raise it again in three days and therefore conquering death. If you don't find victory in that and a reason to celebrate, then you need to dig into your Bible a little bit more. Because it's amazing what's in here. It's amazing how God works. And you can see Him working all around you. And I would encourage you to understand, without a shadow of a doubt, there is no better thing in this world to be exactly where God's called you. Nehemiah saw that. Nehemiah was a governor for 12 years and had a second reign for 12 years. And we're going to hear more about that, I'm sure, through Rodney. Um, Just make sure you touch on that too, Rodney. (laughs) But I just want to tell you guys, for me personally, um, I I am a crier. And um, I'm a crier because um, it's the way God made me, uh, for one thing. Um, But I love, without a shadow of a doubt, to look at life and figure out how we can get the most from it. To be able to accomplish what God's called us to do. Because the greatest times in my life are when I've been exactly where God's called me to. And the crazy part is, even walking away from ministry, I was right where God called me. And so I would encourage you as you begin to look through the book of Nehemiah and again, go in there and dig in and see it even stronger because I promise you it will become your favorite book too. If not, just talk to me. I'll make it your favorite book.